0: You are listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoy today's teaching. Goodness gracious. Nicole, goodness gracious. Man, That's how about that song that they just did? Can y'all give it up for this team up here? Wow man that was straight fire right there amen somebody come on let me know that somebody other than josh bowers down here on the front row is excited to be in church this morning come on i love it i paid josh to be here and be this excited no i don't because i don't have to because when jesus is in your life you just naturally get excited come on somebody when Jesus is really experiencing, when you're experiencing him in real ways. And you know what? I think, too, it makes a difference when you live with him throughout the week. You can worship him in this room a little bit better. Amen. Uh, Welcome to week two, or no, week three, sorry, of a series that we do every year this time called Live Love. And if you are new to our church, this is a great time for you to kind of jump in and start to kind of explore us a little bit. We know every Sunday that we have people that are kind of trying to find a church home. Maybe you're here and like, this is it. You're like, okay, I'm going to give this church thing one more shot. Well, welcome to a church that's just as imperfect as everyone you've ever been in. um, Because we're all just as messed up as you are. And we all have past and we all have baggage and we all are just trying to figure out life and faith in this journey. But I believe if we'll do it together, we'll do it better. Amen. And so that's why uh, we are here today, um, because we believe that God wants to do something special in your life. Because this church was planted a few years ago with one mission, uh, and that's inspiring people to live and love like Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. And if you needed to, to, that clarified for you, this is the perfect series for you to attend, because we're walking through this very mission, inspiring people to live and love like Jesus, because we believe that that's why God created the church in the beginning. And although it can be expressed and so many different ways the reason why the church exists whether it's this church or any church is to inspire people to live in love like Jesus because Jesus before he left this planet but after he had been crucified after he rose from the grave, after he the movement began when when God moved the stone thank you Chris Like the movement, like people say, people call churches all the time. It's really trendy to call churches, oh, come join the movement. The movement began when the stone was moved and Jesus defeated death and walked out of the grave. And the church was born and began to happen. I know Pentecost, I know all these things, but the movement began when the stone moved and Jesus defeated death. And we're here to inspire people to live and love like Jesus and what I've realized, though, is when I make that statement, living and loving like Jesus, that, that, that what people think or, or feel or, or believe when I make that statement, statement has, is a little bit different than it was years ago when we started this church. Because our image of Jesus has get, is getting diluted or polluted it's getting kind of watered down and taken away from, or it's getting added to. And, and what we wanted to do during this version of Live Love is let's dive back into the scriptures one more time and really look at the life of Jesus. Because if we're going to live in love like Jesus, and if our lives are going to reflect the life of Jesus, then we have to have a correct image of what that looks like. Amen? Like We have to look at that because it, we can drift from that, and we can watch culture and news and different things, and that image of Jesus is this nice little long flowing white hair like he just stepped off a of Shakespearean play in England. That ain't the Jesus that I see in Scripture. And so we've been diving back into this hoping God would just do something among us, and our team has been praying based kind of rooted in Acts chapter 2 because vintage actually means Uh, the representative of a best of a past time. And that's why we named this church Vintage is because as I read through the book of Acts, I hoped that God would do something in our church that would reflect that spirit, the spirit that we saw in the book of Acts where you read passages like this that we've been reading throughout this series, Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 46 and 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Like this was a movement of God. This was the church of God when every single day people were accepting Jesus. And so we just kind of been praying. We've been like hashtag 22 has kind of been our theme, that at least... 22 people because this series from start to finish is 22 days and the and the right things would happen the right this would be the most fruitful 22 days in the history of our church and our prayer would be that at least 22 people and in every, in every measurable thing that we think matters would would be seen and making those decisions like tw- at least 22 people accepting jesus at least 22 people going public through their faith and baptism which we're going to do next sunday at least 22 people jumping into life groups because we need community this following jesus thing is not a solo mission at least 22 people volunteering and serving in a new ministry. Like, we're just constantly praying that God would do this. And did you hear Chris say that in the first two weeks, 25 people have accepted Jesus? Can you celebrate that one more time? At least 25 people. That's awesome. Awesome. And, man, we've had actually not necessarily in this span. But over the last maybe month, we've had over 40 new people sign up for life groups. So just cool things are happening. But today, once again, what we're going to do is just dive into the life of Jesus. And let's learn one more thing that we need to learn as we look at Jesus' life that we're going to have to adapt. All right, if, you want to, if you're want, if you going to follow Jesus, if you're going to walk with, with Jesus, if you're going to accept him as your Savior, again, a reminder, your job every single day is to, through the power of your, your, the Holy Spirit, your life should look a little bit more like the life of Jesus every day that we're alive. Amen, church? Like every day as we walk with Jesus, our lives should look a little bit more like the life of Jesus. No, you're not who you want to be, but you're not who you used to be. We're all a work in progress, and we're not perfect. But every day, our lives, as we step in faith, our lives are beginning to look and more and more and more like the life of Jesus. And not this cultural Jesus that we're comfortable with, the biblical Jesus that we can all admit was a little bit controversial. And so we've been stepping through these things, and we've been learning a lot. And if you've missed it, you can go back and grab the podcast. I'm not going to recap today because I don't have time. But go with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Pull up the, if you've got the Vintage app, which is a great resource for you to kind of stay connected to our church, you can hit the notes tab and you can follow along with me. Or if you want to grab your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 22. Because we're going we're gonna to fast forward to one of the last few moments of Jesus' life. And if you've ever been to church around Easter, which is most people, the Creasters, Christmas and Easter, You've heard this passage of Scripture. So we're going to fast forward to this moment where, where Jesus, he's going through this upper room. He's coming like he's going through almost a little over three years of ministry and he's headed to the cross and he kind of knows his time is coming. And it kind of, you see this happening. He, he had been hanging out with his disciples. They'd had this, this Passover, this Jewish meal together. And now he was going into this garden to pray. And the Bible says this in Luke's gospel, chapter 22, pick up with verse 41. It says, he, Jesus, withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them knelt down and prayed verse 42 father if you're willing take this cup from me see jesus knew like it's about to happen the whole purpose for his being on this earth was about to come in its in its complete full position he's headed to the cross and he knew what that meant because at this point we believe that jesus was somewhere in the neighborhood of about 33 years old So for 33 years, he had watched what the Roman government did to to kill people. Like, he wouldn't have been no stranger. It's not like like Jesus, the first time he was introduced to the cross was when he hung on it. Like, every single day, probably throughout his life, he had heard about people being crucified all across the Roman governments. And can you imagine, if you've watched that your whole life and you know that's where you're headed, that would be a little bit scary. And so he looks at the Father and he just says, Father, if, there's, if we could do this another way. <laughs> because this, this cross thing, I'm scared. Like, it's, it's, it's not going to be fun. It's going to be difficult. Like, Father, if, if there's another way that we can redeem humanity, if there's another option for us to accomplish what you need to accomplish through me, if there's some other way than going through this really painful process that I'm about to go through, like if there is another way, that'd be great. <laughs> but you know that's not where a sin ends, right? Verse 42 again, Father, if, if you're willing, take this cup from me, but yet not my will, but yours be done. It's one of maybe the most well known sentences Jesus has ever uttered. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard about Jesus making this statement. He says, If, there, if you're willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will. Like this is, this is a statement that Jesus says in this moment God, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Like, like if there's another way, great, but, but I realize, God, it's not about really what I want. It's not about me choosing the easiest path, the one of least resistance. Whatever you want for me is what I want for me. Your will be done, not my will be done. But what you have to realize is that this is, this is not a choice that Jesus made in that moment. It's not like Jesus walked up to this moment and all of a sudden when, when the most difficult thing he would ever have to endure in his human life on this planet stood before him and now all of a sudden when he's on, when he's standing at this crossroads and he's looking at death and pain and struggle and betrayal and all these terrible, terrible things that are about to be unleashed on his life. It wasn't in that moment that he decided that God's will would be better than his way. That was a decision that Jesus had made from the very beginning. And see, I believe that the choices that we make in the moment reveal the commitments we've made in the past. That's good. Write that down. Come on. That The, the, the choices we make in the moment most often reveal the commitments we made in the past. You with me? Say Amen Like Jesus didn't decide in that moment, like, okay, as it stands here and as I kneel here and I'm crying and I'm sweating blood, the Bible says, and I'm going through all this anguish. It wasn't like in in that moment, for the first time in his life, that he made a decision, all right, God, all right, Father, your will, not mine. That was something that he had lived his entire life. And see, there's something I think that we even need to learn. See, when life turns up the heat, The decisions that you make in those pressure moments will reveal the commitments you've made in the past. I'm convinced that that the reality is your ability to endure the storm that's coming is about what you've done before it, not what you're going to do during it. Did that make sense? Like your ability to endure the storm that's coming is what you've done before it and less about what you will do during it. Like we've watched all these hurricanes just destroy things all across, our, all across the Caribbean lately, right? The structures that stayed probably were able to withstand because what people did to their structures before the storm came. They didn't wait till the winds were 135 miles an hour and think, we should have put some boards up. Like what you do before it will determine how you will endure it more than what you would do during it. And right now, Jesus is revealing something. Once again, reflecting something in, in his life and in how he's acting that we, if we're going to follow Jesus, have to learn. So we've been talking about this. All right? If we're going to live in love like Jesus, week one, we said we're going to have to speak truth. Week two, we said we're going to have to serve others. The third thing I want us to understand, if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to live in love like Jesus, we're going to have to, surre- you're going to, have to surrender your agenda. You are going to have to surrender your agenda. You want to follow Jesus. It's going to have to be more about following his will than getting your way. And that's not easy, is it? I like my way. Come on. So do you. And if you look at Jesus' life, one of the things that is so obvious is Jesus, from the very beginning, had the courage to surrender his agenda for the agenda of the Father. It was more about God's will, the Father's will, than Jesus' way. And as you walk through the Gospels and you look at his life, at every turn you see him making that trade. That it wouldn't be about getting his way. It would be about the Father's will. And if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to walk with Jesus, it has to be more about God's will than getting your way. And we like to get our own way. That is is deep in us. And when we don't get our way, we throw little hissy fits. I'm not talking about the children. I'm talking about the grown folk too. But if you look at the life of Jesus... And you want to follow his life, you want your life to mirror the life that he lived, you're going to have to surrender your agenda. And you see that all throughout the scriptures. And see, it's, it's hard. See, it's, it's easy to follow God's will when God's will looks like our way. Come on, somebody. It's easy to follow God's will when God's will kind of aligns with our way. And there's times that that, happen, that that happens in our lives, that, that what we want for us and what he wants from us are kind of are the same thing. And it's easy to walk in parallel or with God in those moments. But have y'all discovered like me, most of the time God's will and my way don't quite look the same? Because his will is always a little bit more uncomfortable. It's a little bit more, a lot more difficult. It's a lot more challenging and it stretches me. And, and, and what I want to do is I want to walk with God when it, walk, when it lines up with my way. But when his will kind of veers off my way, I kind of want to just create a little bit of distance between me and God from time to time. Anybody else with me? Anybody else will be honest this morning? Amen. But that's something that you never saw Jesus do. And see, life is full of seasons that make surrender challenging and having to do or endure things that seem unfair will most often derail, derail our desire to follow God's will. And, but when you look at the life of Jesus, you see him constantly willing to make that trade. Go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, pick up verse 13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now you're thinking, why don't we just read that scripture? Do you realize, like right there, is the first time really that we see Jesus since he was a little kid? Have you ever noticed in the Gospels you see this beautiful Christmas story that everybody loves—little baby Jesus in the manger, angels and gifts, and all that fun stuff—and then there's just a couple other little things about Jesus. We see this one little time when he's a boy and he's he's moving around and he goes to the temple. But then, for, for basically, God brings the Messiah to the earth and then hides him away for 30 years. I always wonder what happened in those 30 years and what it must have been like for Jesus during that time and what he knew and what he didn't know. And and there's times as he's growing up and he's going through all these, these growing pains and he's working for his dad. Jesus was a carpenter. Like we know that was his family trade. And he's like, God, you got me in here building chairs. I'm supposed to be saving the world. Like, were there moments where, like, every day, like, maybe he, he, maybe he was 12, or maybe he was 13, or maybe he was 15, and he, he kind of really knew what his whole purpose was, and he was, woke up every day thinking, all right, Father, is this going to be the day? Because I hit my thumb twice yesterday, and it hurt. Like, is today the day. And for 30 years, God hit Jesus, Jesus away. For 30 years, he had to wait to start stepping in to moving toward the cross. We see Jesus hidden for 30, and we only see his ministry for three. It reminds me that if I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to surrender my agenda. Patience is something that can't be lost on me. Come on, somebody. Because, see, some of us are in that season. I'm like, God, is the day the day we're going to break through? Is the day the day I'm going to find this? Is the day the day this is going to work out? Is the day the day you're going to answer this prayer? Like, like I- I'm tired of kind of waiting for this thing. I'm ready to step into my glory. I'm ready to step into my own. I'm ready to step into something more fun. I'm ready to step into something more exciting. I'm ready to step into something that pays me more money. I'm, re- I'm ready to step into something new. And I just wonder, for 30 years, Jesus was hidden. They have this big, bold announcement of his birth, and we have two little stories, and then we don't see Jesus again for decades. See, surrendering your agenda may mean there may be seasons in your life where you appear average and you feel anonymous, and it's going to be really easy to lose patience. But I believe there was something that God was doing in his son that would prepare him for the three years that would lay ahead that would be quite difficult you with me say amen come on 30 years Jesus was hidden away in obscurity and I think before like Jesus was building identity before God was going to give him influence maybe that's something you need to learn maybe God needs to build identity in you before he can give you influence and maybe the reason why you don't have the influence you desire is because you haven't found the identity that he wants for you to have Amen? (laughs) And then Jesus, when Jesus, can you imagine? So he goes to get baptized by John. And can you imagine what it must have looked like? Like Jesus, he's 30 years old now. And and, and the father, and and I'm taking some liberties, and I hope I'm not going off the rails. Y'all with me? The, The father's like, all right, son, today's the day. Like today's the day. Today's the day we begin the journey to taking you to the place that you came, that you came to this earth to do. You came to this place to, to accomplish. And Jesus I thought, okay, good. We're going, we're going out with a bang, right? We're going to step in with glory. He said, Nope. you're going to go and be baptized by your weird, hairy cousin. John the Baptist was known as this weird, eating bugs, like weird, hairy, freaky kind of guy. And Jesus was like, really? You hid me away for 30 years. Now I'm going to be baptized by my weary, hairy Bug-eating cousin. Is that really how we want to do this? See, we all say we want God's will. We always say we want to surrender our agenda. But when His agenda and His will for us looks kind of weird and funny and strange and doesn't make sense, be like, no. But you see Jesus go, following once again the will of the Father. And you might think, like, why is He having to do? I think God's building something in His Son. And there's a lot of layers to understanding this whole Trinity thing, and I can't even begin to explain it all to you. You might say, well, why why would God hide him away for those years? Why Why would God hide me away? Because you know what? I feel ready. God, I feel ready to step into what you have next for me. Like I'm waiting, and I'm so impatient, and I feel ready to step into what you want me to do. And I don't want your will. I want my way because my way got me there three weeks ago. You know what's been teaching? You, know, you want to learn, you want to understand God better, have children. Amen, somebody. I'm, I never, I think, I, I better understand who God is and why he does the things he does now more than I ever have. My kids are, I have twins, those of y'all don't know, Aiden and Leah, they, uh, they turned nine back in June. And they will not shut up about a cell phone. You are nine stinking years old. Why, who are you calling you don't got a job? You, what Do <laughs> you know how much a cell phone how, and how, it's like my mortgage and my cell phone bill, two biggest bills we pay. Dear Lord, Verizon. <laughs> Can you hear me now? It's too much. <laughs> Dear goodness. But she's begging me for a phone and begging me for a phone and begging me for a, I'm like, "Where's your shoes? I don't know. And you want a phone? And here's the thing. I'll be honest with you. As their father, I'm not a man of means, but I can afford a cell phone. I can, I, I can afford to give that to them. And can I be honest with you? I want to give her them a cell phone. I re, there's a part of me that really wants to give them a cell phone. But I know within three days, she's going to lose it. <laughs> and what she didn't realize is as her father, I know what she wants. And to be honest with you, I want what She wants. But I know she's not ready to have it yet. So I cannot give it to her. Anybody feeling what I'm trying to say? Like God's like, Matt, I want you to have it too. That thing that you want, I want you to have it too. But as your father, I know you're not ready. And I love you too much to give it to you before you're ready for it. See, so you want to follow God's will and God's way? You want to follow His agenda? You want to surrender your agenda to His? You do have to be patient. You got have to be patient. Jesus demonstrated that for 30 years. He patiently waited and allowed God to do, the Father to do in the Son what was necessary so that when the Son stepped onto the scene, He was able, ready, and willing to follow what God had for Him next. And that's not the only story, because here's what, look what happens next. So Jesus steps onto the scene after 30 years of obscurity, does all this, uh, does all these things, goes, gets baptized, and the father says, I'm well pleased for you. Like, I'm, this is my son, and who I am well pleased. And Jesus probably thinking now, okay, I got these 30 years behind me of kind of living in obscurity, and now I've got this weird baptism, done by by, by my my cousin, John, and now I get to step into this thing. And then what happens next is he spends 40 days in the desert. Congratulations, you're stepping in, now you're going to go into the desert. Matthew chapter 4 says, Then Jesus, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up, and their hands... So that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him away from me Satan for it is written worship the Lord your God and serve him only then the devil left him and angels came and attended him so Jesus goes right from this season of obscurity and through this baptism right into this big test these temptations for 40 days And you notice there, it's sometimes that that it records that the devil says, if you are the son of God. Like the more you study that that phrase in the Greek, it's actually better translated since you are the son of God because Satan knew exactly who Jesus was and is. Better than any of us. Come on. It says, since you're the son of God, and notice the first thing is, since you're the son of God, hey, and it says after 40 days, for 40 days he had had not eaten a thing. He had been fasting for 40 days. And you notice the first thing Satan tempts him with is some good, and I believe it was probably outback bread, because it is awesome. Come on, amen, somebody. And the first thing that he tempts him with is bread. And then he says, he shows him all these different things. And now again, once again, he's Jesus. Later, he would take and turn a little boy's lunch into a feast for thousands of people. Jesus had the ability to do everything Satan challenged him to do. Jesus could have said, Boy, I could turn them stones into more bread than you could understand. You want to give me all these people? These people are already mine. I think it's interesting that we never see Jesus trade what he could do for what he was called to do. I thought that was pretty good. He never traded what he could do for what he was called to do. Never, not one time. He never, not single, he, here he is, he's challenged. He never let his power and his position be leveraged for his own privilege. What he could do never stood in the way of what he was called to do. And so often we don't have the the self-control or the discipline to make that trade. Because see, the most tempting things in your life that will pull you away from God's will and God's agenda will not be the things that you can accomplish without him, but the things that you probably could. Come on. Like we're capable, smart, talented people. Y'all are. And so often, the reason why we veer off the path of God's will for our lives is because we see what we could do, what we believe we have the freedom to do, what we believe we have the right to do. And we make a trade that Jesus never allowed himself to make. Jesus could have said, yeah, you know what? I've been hidden for 30 years, just had this baptism by this guy, and now I haven't eaten for 40 days. Give me them stones. I'm hungry, and I'm the son of God. But he never let what he was called to do, or never let what he could do, stay in the way of what he's called to do. He never made that trade. He never made that sacrifice. He never allowed himself to go to that place. And you know what? If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to live and love like Jesus, and you're going to surrender your agenda, what you're called to do has to always take precedence over maybe what you could do. And see, I think we'll make that trade when we understand something about God's will, that Jesus understood that I don't think we always understand. Do you remember back, go, go to John chapter 4, that story where Jesus has the encounter with the woman of the well. I've preached that sermon to death. I know that. It's a great story, but there's something di- just kind of hidden in that story that often gets overlooked. See, his disciples weren't there when he had that conversation with the woman of the well, because supposedly they were going to find some lunch. And they will go come back with a goodie bag for everybody. And Jesus has just been ministering to this lady, giving her all this wisdom and, 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 and compassion and telling her all these awesome things. And then the disciples show back up. And in chapter 4 of the, of the Gospel of John, verse 31 it says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Ain't that just like some, some, some Christian folk? You need to eat. Verse 32. But he, he, Jesus, said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And his brilliant disciples in verse 33, his disciples said, because someone had brought him some food? And look what Jesus says. My food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. See, Jesus Found following the will of God as something that brought him satisfaction and fulfillment. And see, when you see God's will as a chore to avoid instead of fuel that leads to fulfillment, you'll never consistently pursue His will for your life. Because even when I say that, God's will, it feels like this big, obscure, difficult thing for you at times. Can we be honest? It just seems like when I say, oh, do the will of God, you're like, what? And it feels like a, a chore that we have to avoid. It feels like, okay, it, we automatically kind of almost get uncomfortable at times. when we feel like it's going to be these hoops to jump through or something like that. But Jesus knew that following the will of the Father would always be what would bring him fo- real fulfillment and sustained satisfaction. And he said, you know what? Following the will of God does something in me and sustains me and fulfills me in such a way like you guys can't understand. And maybe if we saw the will of God and following God's plan for our lives, it's not a chore that we should avoid because it's going to rob our lives of fun but we saw it as a path to true fulfillment and satisfaction, maybe the will of God would be something we're willing to pursue a little bit bit more consistently than our own way. That's the way Jesus saw it. If you're going to live and love like Jesus, if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to walk with Jesus, you have to surrender your agenda. God's will is going to have to become more important than your way because that's what we see in Jesus' life and that's what we see Jesus command from us. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who, what? Does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Or what about Matthew chapter 12, verse 49 and 50? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and bro- my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. You want to live in love like Jesus, you have to surrender your agenda. God's will has to be more important than your way. And when you see it as not a chore to avoid, but something that brings sustained fulfillment and satisfaction, you'll you'll gladly follow that path. As you walk through the Gospels, you see Jesus not just when he finally kneels in the Garden of Gethsemane and utters that famous sentence. That was a choice he made in the moment that revealed a commitment he had made in the past. You know, there's, there's two times that Jesus gets to hear the audible voice of the Father in Scripture. One I, the first one I, I just read, and after that baptism, when Jesus comes out of the water, a voice from heaven says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The audible voice of God would say that again in Matthew 17. Matthew 17 verse 5, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Have you ever thought about what it would be like if God would allow you to hear his audible voice just one time? Like, if you, if you could get to hear God say one sentence, speak audibly one sentence to your life, have you ever thought about what that sentence would be or, or what that question, if you got to ask God one question and he would answer that question with one sentence, what would that question be? And, like, that's hard to wrestle with because, like, God, we got a lot of questions here. You know what I mean? Like, like did I... did. did should I marry him? Should I marry her? Should I take this job? Should I do this? Should I go to this school? Should I make this decision? Like a lot of us go to, like, we'd want to hear him speak audibly and clearly about one specific maybe issue in our lives. Because you don't get to have like a full paragraph, with just one sentence. For a long time in my life, like, I, I, I wondered what that question would be. But then I, I, I read this. And it says, the one audible voice that is recorded in Scripture that Jesus heard was, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I'm convinced that I'd wanna hear one thing from God if I, could, if I could hear him speak just one sentence. And you know what I'd wanna hear him say? Matt, I'm proud of you. This is my son, Matt, in whom I am well pleased. Because do you realize how Many answers are given in that one phrase. I'm pleased with the man that you're becoming. I'm pleased with the father and husband and pastor. Just in that one sentence, it answers so many questions that I've longed to know. And the only way to get that answer to choose him and give my life to him and follow him faithfully through the power of his Holy Spirit. See, hearing that sentence from God is not as complicated as you want to make it. What does God want from you? He wants you to love him. Love him so much that what he wants for your life becomes what you want for your life. And following his will becomes more important than getting your way. So I want to pray that you just hear that sentence today. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? Again, that begins with a relationship with Jesus. And if you've never made that decision to put your faith and trust in him, I want to give you the opportunity to do that this day. You don't have to pray a specific wordy prayer. You just have to acknowledge in your heart, accept him, the sacrifice that he has made for you. If you've never done that and you want to do that today, would you just throw your hand up really high in the air and leave it there because I want to see it and I want to pray for you. Amen. Leave it up. Leave it up. I want to see them all. Amen. 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 Thank you. You can put them down. My prayer is that your desire... Would to be to hear that sentence from God too? Son, this is my son. This is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And walk in relationship with him, following his will for your life in every moment. Just a minute, we're going to worship. As we worship, would you just settle some things in your heart? Where have you abandoned God's will for your way? Where is he having to fight you to follow I'm invite if you would just go ahead quietly, reverently, just stand to your feet, everybody in the room, and I'm gonna pray for us, and we're gonna spend some time concluding this service, worshiping together, allowing God to speak to our hearts. Father, I pray that right now you would speak in this room, your voice would be heard and real and powerful. That God, that you would just help every person in this room not leave without allowing themselves just to connect with you and hear your voice speaking into their lives as they put their faith and trust in you and decide to walk in your will and not on the path of your way. God, meet with us as we worship you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.